Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I'm here with Ryan Kruger. We're going to talk about his origin story. He's a financial planner, financial analyst, financial guru, perhaps, from Houston, who has a card collecting background. We're going to hear about that. But first, thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, my old uh, company and buddies there, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Rob Barris, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Mike Fruitman, uh, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Bill Huggins, Chris Ivey at Heritage Auctions, and then Upper Deck, Panini and Tops. So welcome, Ryan. Looking forward to hearing your story because now that you're a financial planner, you actually may attribute some of your career success or career interest to your start as a young baseball card collector. So welcome, Rocket Ryan Kruger. I'm glad to be here. A, a lifelong fan of yours, and, and you are right. I'm still a big old kid, number one, and I still enjoy looking at statistics every day. So in a lot of ways, Jim, nothing's changed. <laughs> I had my well, it's still numbers. You're a numbers guy, right? I, I am. And I guess I realized when, when I knew we were talking, it made me think back. So my very first job ever was in a baseball card shop. And I would furiously pedal my bike there. Couldn't wait to get to work, which I still look back fondly at. And I, I wish and hope that, that my kids have the desire and ability. And those summer jobs have, have, have dwindled, unfortunately. And I, I think most of the best success stories I've ever been around and the clients that I serve all started out working as kids. And I'm afraid of losing a little bit of that. For success. What, uh, was it in Houston? What card shop were you? Part yeah, of? it was a little shop called Ted's Baseball Room on Westheimer in Houston. On I know Westheimer, but what, who was Ted? His name is Ted Stokes. Okay. And I, I basically begged that man to let me do a job that probably didn't even exist back then. So he said, sure, nobody's ever asked me to sort thousands of cards a day in a back windowless office that by the end of the summer, I secretly turned into my first trading desk. And now I, I own a company that, that runs several of those. And, and the, my love of statistics really started back then. I was a sports junkie, but I, for some reason, was fascinated with the numbers on the back of the cards and trying to figure out what in the world they had in common and what trends and what breakouts. And then when I get to eavesdrop on the front of the store where convictions and predictions were colliding with real data, I didn't realize that then they didn't have words like behavioral finance, but I was in a perfect laboratory for Wall Street. <laughs> I really was. Or you, uh, you sound like baseball because baseball is the stat rich uh, sport. Yeah, and it always was. And back then where I was, that was really the only card that was collected. That's certainly where I started. And I guess in hindsight, my survivorship bias was I figured out pretty early on, I could take an Excel spreadsheet a lot longer than I could any curveball. So mathletics was all for me. And I guess what I also loved about that collision and what I found so fascinating and never ending, it was never going to go out of style, just like sports was you had these predictions colliding with math. And what I love about math is it leaves no room for opinions, but there will never be a shortage of opinions. So we will constantly have these incredibly fun debates um, about sports, which is a little more fun for most people, but the same thing plays out in stock. So I carried on and even to this day, I tip my cap to my very first job and that start with, with on-base plus slugging percentage and all those same stats, we just use it for stocks now. But yeah, it started out opening little packs of baseball cards that I enjoy still doing with my little guys. I got five kids and it's been fun to rekindle that hobby. Were you, so uh, what years were you collecting and did you uh, sell through the shop or on your own or were you mainly just accumulating? So I, I was 13 in 1986, so it would have been that summer, and no internet as we had. We had these back then, which go. I saved, and and my kids get a kick out of this guy, and we had catalogs, and as when somehow or another, I figured out that wow, if somebody in Houston, Texas, that everybody absolutely knew what was going to happen, might be selling in Cleveland for a nickel, I could call 
a store and a catalog and get them to ship me a couple hundred of those suckers. And then all of a sudden, the, the inventory warehouse guy turned into a mini dealer in the back. <laughs> well, did you have people come in the back there? Were you trying no, to I guess eventually, I, I don't know exactly, but in hindsight, I'm sure I'm, I should be grateful for the kindness of, of Ted and probably some of the older guys there. I eventually got a table and eventually would do shows and eventually built my own little collection. And they let me in there rotisserie baseball league which back then that was before analytics as we did old stats by regular mail <laughs> all that and, stuff was related uh, the, the bill james stuff he, he started about the same time i started and he was we didn't have all the uh, sophisticated personal computers and and uh, digital technologies in that time but there were a lot of relationships in the data of baseball and in the data of sports cards that just screamed to be analyzed yeah, and isn't that fascinating that that stuff's called revolutionary now? But the, the, those, guys, the, those guys that got around that table at the rotisserie restaurant in New York, they, they were doing it a long time ago. Did you collect any other sports or were you mainly baseball? I, I didn't. And it's so funny because I was talking to a client about getting the opportunity to talk to you. And back then, basketball is actually my love in, wow. in real life. And the only thing I could do just a little bit, but basketball cards was just not an issue. And I, I tried to figure out why and why we didn't. I mean, it was, it was such, it was such an afterthought that I'll never forget in, in high school, a science project. And my buddy that when, when I told him that I was talking to you and I updated him on some of the new numbers, he reminded me that his project where he had taped and cut out just the faces. And of course, he only knew he only used the faces that a couple of kids in the class would recognize. The science project was entirely made up of the 1986 Fleer basketball set that he had cut up. <laughs> Well, where is that project now? I, well, I, I have not had the heart to send him a chart of that, a box of those cars versus Microsoft IPO in 1986. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you drop out of the organized hobby for a while and then come back? I, mean, what was I, I, I really did. I, I lost complete touch. And as I started thinking about trying to track you down and, and get me up to speed, I guess when I started coaching Little League for my little guys, I wanted to bring them packs of baseball cards like 10 years ago, maybe is when I... And not being able to find one of those at a drugstore or a grocery store probably should have been my first clue that the industry is about to boom again because supply had dwindled. And all of the stuff that's happened and all the, the, the popularity and the demand, to me, there's just nothing that replaces going to a drugstore and opening a pack of cards with your son. And I, I, that breaks my heart just a little bit that, that we're missing that on the really early end for those kids and make it accessible. So I'm trying to bring that back and I'll bring those packs to practice and, and they open them up and they still get the biggest thrill as they should, but that whole generation of young kids really hadn't experienced that like you and I did. Well, at the, uh, the hope, I haven't heard this said very much, but the regular packs that the card companies, my sponsors are promoting are dollars per pack and, and tens of dollars, and in some cases, hundreds of dollars per pack. But the repack market, if you wanted to put together a parcel of cards for your kids, you could get a hundred cards for a buck and they'd be, they wouldn't be necessarily current players, but the, it might be a, a sprinkling of base cards from from the present and, and a variety of sports. So there's still cheaper cards out there. But when you go to buy a pack now at a store, now they are available at some of these places and they're very, they're much more expensive. So it's not, it's priced the kids out somewhat. Yeah. It, it's just been so fun to watch some of these kids hold a, a card for the first time. They, they've never heard in some of these cases. And, and then to have my own want to sit on the couch and and yeah. watch the Astros, and he doesn't worry about any of the problems that they've had in the last couple of years. He wants to see Altuve, the card he just got. That That is a thrill that will never go away and will keep us young at heart forever, and I love that. What? Uh, okay, so how did you got back into it because of that? And what? how are you manifesting it now when you have a, a, a financial job that helps people with their investments? Are you Do you consider yourself more of an investor now or more of a collector? Do you have some collecting objectives? I got back into it strictly for my sons and their friends originally. 
And I have, I admit to being now more curious. And now that I have more than a nickel to buy a pack at the drugstore, I did start to scratch my head and wonder, I could never afford a Pistol Pete Maravich card before. But I, I wonder, would that be fun as more of a piece of art? Because I know nothing about art and don't care anything about it, except for these big vintage items that my daughter made. And that has been special because the just the flood of memories and conversations has been priceless. And so I, I guess I would be a, a collector again, and I'm excited about learning. Okay. Are you very selective then? I mean, like Pistol Pete has a, a following uh, partly because of the personality that he was, not just the amazing basketball player ahead of his time and died uh, way too young. But do you collect players that you admire or appreciate, or are you more of a complete setist? Well, I, I used to, to to make those complete sets by hand, and I loved that as a kid. I, I don't have any interest or time to do that now. I'm interested in the stories and the memories. And when I dropped my oldest baby girl now at LSU, and I wanted to tell her about my favorite player, who then I wanted to tell my other son how he dribbled the ball out of a moving car to learn how to play basketball, it just made a lot of sense to go get that card. And then I wanted to say, hey, Dad, why didn't you always like Larry Bird? Let's go find one of those, too. And so that's been the fun part. I like that. I like that a lot. Basically, that's what I'm doing with my uh, wall of fame. I'm trying to have I'm a jealous. card for each. Uh, it's one card per player, but it's across all the sports and even some um, celebrities. And I'm trying to have a story. Each one has a, a story. I'm I not, not sure I can say exactly what I paid or where I got it, but uh, there's one card I got out of a pack. that was my first card ever, but other than that, their cards have picked up along the way. So you know, I've been a collector and I've been a dealer and I've been probably everything in between, including the authoring and publishing and all that kind of stuff. So the hobby is very robust. Have you gone to some of the shows down in Houston recently? I, yeah, I did a couple of years ago. I haven't in the last year, obviously, but to take my son and to look changed a lot. And then that was fun. And, and I, I still, I listen and trying to catch up real quick, listening to your podcast, which I'm loving by the way. And just to hear your voice and excitement as a kid. I remember you telling the story about going to some estate sale and you couldn't even wait to get home yeah. to open the box because you want to do it in the car. That, that stuff never leaves. So that, I guess that's the feeling I get when I went back to one of these shows. But the, uh, but, but were you overwhelmed? Or, um, or I think unoverwhelmed? I, I think if I looked, I, what would be more interesting to me is trying to look through the eyes of my son and it probably would be overwhelming. How could it not be? And there's a, a bunch of other non-card stuff too, which is fine. But yeah, it probably was a little overwhelming, but fun and still sparked enough conversations that, it's good. More is good. When you were collecting as a kid, what, what were most of the other kids in your school also collecting? I, I, yeah, probably it was definitely a, a popular thing to do and, and trade and have conversations. I, I was probably nobody, you know, was interested in, in working at a store all summer. I guess I was a little odd in, in many ways looking back, but yeah, yeah it was something it was something we all did. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm calling that precocious. You were ahead of your time. That was you get, I don't know that you're getting paid a lot, but just uh, that's it's life lessons too. I just I've, I've said one of the guys that 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 worked on our team was a guy I knew when he was 14, worked in our card shop, and was just a high quality guy. And so when the company got rolling, that was wonderful to add him to the team. So Ted <laughs> took a chance on you, and, and hey, it's the same. It's the same advice learned, I gave. You had, had to have learned a lot of life lessons. Well, I was about to say it's the same advice. Although completely different, any high school or college kid that can that has the ability. Offering an unpaid internship or what can I do for nothing is always a good way to start a conversation with somebody. And hopefully that just at the very least shows genuine interest. But yeah, I just, I, I look back super fondly at that for sure. I, and I miss those stores. I know they're coming back a little bit, a lot more than some. There's some. Yeah. Again, they've got their, their, the most of the 
stores have to have a, a digital presence too now to get that extra frosting on the cake and walk up traffic, not just for COVID, but you, you've got to be full service, I think. But it's sure a lot of fun to go into a card shop and, and, and to go into a store, uh, to a show uh, with a whole bunch of different dealers. It's still fun. It's evolved. It's evolved some. It's, it's evolved in, not, in mostly good ways. I'm, I'm not a guy that thinks the good old days were, that's where it was all good there and it's not great now. It's great in a different way now. That's, I've got no problem with that. Yeah. No problem. So what's next? What, how many, so you got how many sons? I have two sons and three daughters. And the three daughters are interested or not? Two of them are they're younger and they're super sporty. So why not? They'll, they'll certainly, they're allowed in the big sports room too. So yeah, they might be. Soccer's coming on strong. I'll tell you, I hope you're not six months too late, but soccer has really uh, exploded in a good way in the last uh, six months. I'm interested to see what happens with the growth of your industry and this hobby of football seems to be awfully interesting to me. Uh, You're detecting a, a, a little bit of a, what would that be, uh, arbitrage or some kind of a market discontinuity that that uh, demonstrates that either something's overvalued or football's undervalued. And I think as, as close as that sport may in some people's minds have gotten to, to going extinct, there is some there is something special about that sport. And you and I here in Texas know it well, that it's, and I guess we've been all reminded of values that mean the most to us in a year like this year. Gosh, I'm looking forward to watching some good old pigskin and to be able to sit on the couch with my son and talk about one of those players and he might be able to hold that card in his hand. I'm looking forward to that. Let's end on that positive note, Ryan, before you tell me that uh, your team is the best team in Texas. <laughs> no, he's got a Dak Prescott rookie already. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Ryan Kruger. Thanks, listeners. We'll be back again tomorrow. I'm going to get Ryan back. We're going to talk about his profession next time I get him on here because I think there's some people who would be curious about how a, a financial advisor, somewhat financial planner guy, looks at our industry with affection, but with probably professional glasses, not just rose-colored glasses. So thanks, Ryan. Thanks, listeners. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man